Hello and welcome to Act 2 of Macbeth. Again, another hugely important act uh, in the play. Uh, the most important event that happens in this act is that uh, King Duncan is murdered by uh, Macbeth uh, as planned by Lady Macbeth. At the beginning of the act, uh, we see uh, Duncan arrive under the battlements of Lady Macbeth. They prepare for a feast uh, and then um, uh, they, they host King Duncan in this feast. Macbeth is caught in a moment uh, where he is headed towards uh, Duncan's bedchamber that night. Uh, and he asks himself, is this a dagger which I see before me, the handle towards my hand? Uh, he is seeing either a supernatural phenomenon, a floating dagger in front of him, or he is seeing a psychological phenomenon of this dagger floating before him. He tests himself. He tries to touch it. He says, I, you know, come, let me clutch thee. I have it not, which tells us that he, uh, he is able to see this dagger from his mind, but he's unable to touch it. Now, this is an interesting one, because if you ever ask a question about uh, the importance of the supernatural, it's always important to consider to what extent is this a play about the power of the supernatural, and to what extent is it a play about the power of the psychological. Um, he goes on to say, uh, is this a dagger of the mind, a false creation, or is it a vision proceeding from the heat-oppressed brain? He asks himself, is this caused by supernatural phenomena? Or is this caused by uh, the stress and the guilt that I'm feeling? So it's an interesting one in Shakespeare's use of language. It plays on both, uh, is this a supernatural uh, phenomenon or a psychological phenomenon? At the end of this scene, um, a bell is rung by Lady Macbeth off stage, and that uh, reminds Macbeth of the, the task at hand. And he says uh, that the bell is a knell, which is a death note, a death bell. Uh, it is a knell which summons Duncan either to heaven or to hell. Um, it's an interesting one in terms of control because it is Lady Macbeth who rings the bell and it is Macbeth who responds. So you could argue that even though she's not in this scene, she's still very much in control of their plan. Their plan is to have Lady Macbeth drug the guards of Duncan uh, so that they fall asleep and then Macbeth can come through, take their knives off them, take their daggers off them, kill Duncan and then leave the bloody daggers with, um, with the sleeping guards. This means that then when uh, Duncan's dead body is discovered in the morning, they'll see the guards, they'll see the blood and they'll just uh, put two and two together and they'll blame the guards. What goes wrong for them, however, is that um, as Lady Macbeth is waiting for Macbeth to return, having done the deed, instead of coming back without the knives, he comes back holding two daggers in his hands, his hands covered in blood, and he is clearly shaken up by what he has seen and what he has done. He, um, uh, he comes back and he looks at his hands and he says, this is a sorry sight. She immediately responds, a foolish thought to say a sorry sight. She believes this is the bold thing. She believes this is the right thing they should do. He, however, is immediately racked with guilt. Uh, she tells him off and says, uh, in firm of purpose, go leave these daggers, go take these daggers uh, back and plant them on the sleeping guards. Uh, but Macbeth replies in a very, very honest way, I'll go no more. I am afraid to think what I have done. Uh, 
this is a very, very open thing for Macbeth to say, given that Macbeth has killed hundreds of people on the battlefield. He's no stranger to blood and death and, and, and killing, but he's not a murderer. Um, I am afraid to think what I have done. Lady Macbeth chastises him, tells him off and says, infirm of purpose, meaning you're weak in your purpose, infirm of purpose. And then she uh, imperatively tells him to give me the daggers. She takes the daggers off him, goes back, plants them on the bodies, comes back uh, to to wash her hands. And she says to him, my hands are of your colour, but I shame to wear a heart so white. By this she means we now both have red hands, we both have blood on our hands, but I would be ashamed to have such a white, cowardly heart. Linking back to earlier in the play when she said his heart was too full of the milk of human kindness. Again, this theme of whiteness and purity being used uh, almost as an insult against Macbeth. There's then some really, really interesting uh, water imagery that is used in Shakespeare's language here. Uh, Macbeth uh, asks for uh, all the great Neptune's oceans to wash this blood clean from my hand. Will all great Neptune's ocean wash this blood clean from my hand? Uh, This is a really, really interesting um, quotation which I'm going to unpack for you here. Uh, Neptune is the Roman god of the sea and the oceans. So calling on all of the great Neptune's oceans means the all the water in the world. Uh, so it's hyperbolic, it's exaggeration. Uh, will all of the water in the world wash this blood clean from my hands? So it's a nice classical reference. It's also exaggeration, but it is also a bit of a biblical allusion, allusion with an A, um, in the sense that um, and this is something that Shakespeare's audience would have known very, very um, clearly. Um, uh, Pontius Pilate in the Bible was the Roman general who sentenced Jesus to death. And when he did that, he washed his hands in public, saying that he washes his hands of this man's blood, washing his hands of Jesus's blood. So it's a common image in um, Christian literature that to wash your hands of uh, blood means to wash your hands of guilt. But at the same time, everyone knows, or everyone in Shakespeare's audience would know, you cannot wash your hands of guilt. The blood will always be on your hands in some way. So he uses this exaggeration in order to say, uh, if only he could wash this guilt, this blood from his hands. Uh, Lady Macbeth counters this, juxtaposes this immediately by saying, a little, uh, little water cleanses us of this deed. A little water cleanses us of this deed immediately showing that she doesn't have the same level of guilt that he does. Now, if you flash forward to um, Act 5, we see that that guilt and and paranoia creeps up uh, on her and and eventually leads to her death as she asks, will all the perfumes of Arabia um, sweeten this little hand? She wishes to mask this scent of blood. Uh, So the idea of trying to get water, get get blood off your hands um, with water uh, continues all the way through the play, starting with Macbeth and then eventually finishing up with Lady Macbeth much, much later. Um, after, uh, after this moment of um, washing the, the blood off their hands, there is an important moment where Macbeth thinks he hears a voice saying, Sleep no more, Macbeth does murder sleep. The innocent sleep. It's very, very important. He thinks he hears this voice saying, Sleep no more. Uh, remember way back at the, in Act 1, Scene 1, we see that the witches have the power to stop men from sleeping. Uh, it is quite possible 
that from the moment of committing regicide, killing a king, going against the divine right of kings, uh, they are being punished by supernatural forces that, are, that they cannot understand. And that uh, arguably from this moment on, they either cannot sleep or they have trouble sleeping. And that adds to their... Uh, their madness that adds to their their mania, their paranoia, their psychosis, uh, and um, uh, arguably this is all caused by supernatural forces. But again, remember, is it supernatural? Is it caused by witches, or is it psychological? Is it their guilt that stops them from sleeping? Is it their paranoia and their guilt uh, of of what it is that they've done? Um, Macbeth is so worried by this thought that he even says, "Wake, Duncan, with thy knocking." I would thou couldst. He almost wishes that he could bring back Duncan from the dead as if he were just asleep. Again, that theme of sleep, hugely important in this play. Um, there are other um, scenes in, in Act 2, but it's definitely Act 2, Act 2 scene 1 and Act 2 scene 2 are the really, really key ones that appear. Um, in the rest of Act 2, we see the murder get found out. And um, we see that um, Macbeth uh, tries to cover, it, cover up the tracks by killing the guards himself, saying that he did it out of passion because of his um, love and respect for Duncan. Malcolm and Donalbane in this moment are very, very worried that it looks like uh, that, uh, that, they, they, that they've been framed. They feel this looks as if um, we've arranged for this murder to be, to be committed. Remember, Malcolm in Act One was told that he would be his father's successor. He is the star uh, for the future of Scotland. And uh, it, it, it looks a little bit too convenient that one day he's told he'll succeed his father and then the next day his father appears dead. So Malcolm runs away to England. Donald Bain, uh, who is the younger son, goes off to Ireland. And that is how Act Two finishes. So, Act 2 ends, Macbeth takes power. He's not technically king yet, but he's definitely going to run the country from this moment on as the most loyal kingsman of Duncan's. Um, and the guilt has already begun for Macbeth, but it hasn't yet sunk in for Lady Macbeth. Not just yet. And that is the end of Act 2. <laughs>